Hello and welcome to the official podcast of Solid Ground Church, where every week we share messages recorded during our weekly gatherings in Lewis, Delaware. If you have questions or if we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now, let's get to this week's message. As we've been talking about spiritual gifts, we've been going through 1 Corinthians, um, and we're going to continue as we've been in 1 Corinthians 12, talking about uh, this list that the Apostle Paul gives. And so if you have a Bible, you can open to 1 Corinthians 12 is where we're going to be. Um, if you don't, we're going to put it on the screen in just a second here. Um, and so each week what we've been doing is we've been taking a different gift uh, that's listed in this passage, and we've been just talking about, you know, like, what is it? How does it work? Uh, and we'll continue that. Uh, this week and the next week, we'll actually wrap up this, this gift list, and so that's where we are. So First Corinthians 12, starting in verse 7, says this. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And, and every week we mention this idea that when it comes to this uh, phrase we translate as manifestation, it's the Greek word phanerosis. And what it means is an unveiling or disclosing that something's there. So in the same way, like, you know, like, uh, there could be angels in the room right now, but without an unveiling, without like a revealing or a manifestation, you wouldn't know that they're here. That's what spiritual gifts are. They reveal the presence of the Holy Spirit. So spiritual gifts are not natural talents. They're not natural abilities. These are things that cause people to stop and go, wow, God is in that place. Or man, that's something that only God could do. That's the idea behind spiritual gifts here in 1 Corinthians 12. And they're given for the common good, which means they're given not so that people feel gifted. Like, man, I got superpowers. Like, they're like, look at me, look what I've got. Instead, they're about serving other people. And so he continues, and he lists some gifts off the top of his head. He says, to one... There is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, and to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, and here's our one today, and to another distinguishing between spirits. And that's the one we're going to talk about, say distinguishing between spirits, or maybe your translation says discerning of spirits. So like, what is that all about? And that's kind of the, the tricky thing, because... Because um, this is the only time in the Bible, just like with a word of knowledge. Oh, hello. Weird. Okay. Uh, all right. Yeah, right. I discerned that spirit. So anyway, um, like just like with word of knowledge and word of wisdom, that's the only time this phrase is used. And so we had to kind of figure out what Paul is getting at there. And, and what I said uh, when we dealt with those, I'm going to say, the best way to understand what a passage is talking about is look at how that thing is used in the Gospels and Acts. And that's what we're going to do. Like, like, can we sort of, as we go through the Gospels and Acts, see an idea of distinguishing or discerning between spirits in use? I think so. And so I'm going to give you a working definition of what I think these, these books teach, and then we'll, we'll look at them. And so here's, if you're kind of curious, like, like what is discerning or what is distinguishing between spirits? Here's, here's my Bert definition. Uh, distinguishing between spirits is a God-given ability to know what kind of spirit is behind something. Ta-da. Like that, like that's it. it it's a God-given ability to know what kind of spirit is behind something. And it's not like, okay, contrary to popular sort of charismatic belief, it's not all just demons, all right? Sometimes people, like, they're like, okay, I, I can sense a demon in a place because I have a gift of discerning of spirits. And I would say, maybe you do. I, I would just, like, like, people I know who I really, really respect who, who like, I mean, are tremendous scholars. They'll, they'll, they'll interpret this, this gift this way. It has to do with, like, knowing if, if a demon is in a place. Could be. I would just let you know there's nothing, like, you don't find that practice in the Gospels or Acts. There is no, like, person, like, walking into a house and being like, I see a demon. Like, that's not there, okay? So, 
I mean, but it, it could have something to do with it. I think of it more within this vein of, okay, let's say like you have somebody give like a prophetic word. Okay, and, and like like within a congregation. Okay, well, a distinguishing between spirits would let the person like or like like the person who has that gift know. Okay, like that's from the Lord. That's not. Maybe that's a maybe that's the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's a human spirit. Maybe like maybe it's just that that person drumming this up. Or you know, like maybe somebody has like a weird behavior. Okay, like is it human brokenness behind it? Is it demonic? Like it's sort of seeing the core of what's behind the person. And so here's some examples. Okay, so in the in the book of Acts, there's a story where. Um, Peter and John, like they're praying for uh, new believers. And when they're praying for them, like these new believers, they receive the Holy Spirit and it's, and it's awesome. And there's a guy among them whose name was Simon the Sorcerer. Okay, like fun name, okay? And Simon was a, if his name didn't tell you, sorcerer, okay? Like before he was a Christian, like he was known for like practicing magical arts and like and he, like, he had this reputation for being a man of great power and all this stuff, right? But, but listen, he, when he heard the gospel, he ditches all the sorcery and he converts. He goes like, I believe this is true. He leaves all that behind. But there's still just something in him that kind of misses the spotlight. And he kind of misses having people talk about how great he is and how powerful he is. And so what he does is he goes to Peter and John. He goes, listen, here's some money. I'll take this money so that I can get you to give me that gift so that when I pray for people, they receive the Holy Spirit. Like kind of messed up. And here's what Peter says to him in Acts 8, uh, starting in verse 21. He says, you have no part or share in this ministry. Because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. And then look at the very last thing he says here. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. He just sees right to the root of him. Hey, what's behind going, like what's going on with you is, okay, like you've got all this bitterness and, and you're not willing to let go of your Sin. I would say that that's a discerning of spirits. Where okay, like it's like Simon, what he like what he asks for, he, misguided as it may be, is to like be able to pray for people and see them uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Peter goes, no, no, no. Here's what's actually at your core. Another example would be this. Um, this, this is probably a more notable one. Uh, this is in Acts 16, where uh, Paul and Silas are in Philippi, and, and it says this in Acts 16, starting in verse six, or 16, ugh, 16, 16. It says once. Uh, we were going to the place of prayer and we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She'd earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now just pause on that, okay? Because what she's saying is true, right? Okay, like here's, here's this woman, and maybe, okay, like for some reason now, she believes the gospel and she's proclaimed. Like, she, like people would know who she is. They would know her story that she was a fortune teller before, okay? And she's following Paul and Silas around and everywhere she goes, like she goes like, these guys are like, they're servants of the real God and they're telling you how to be saved. Everything that she's saying is accurate. Yes, they are. Yes, what they're saying is accurate. She's testifying to the gospel. And yet she isn't, is she? Verse 18. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. Okay, how did he know? Well, he knew because he was operating in a distinguishing or discerning of spirits. Even though what she was saying, was true, there was just something about it that like, it annoyed him or just kind of, grinded against him, it exasperated him, tired him out. And so he was just like, mm, no, which um, I've seen. Um, 
Actually, I, I'll give you a story with this. So uh, several years ago, I, I, was, uh, I was ministering in a church in Philadelphia, uh, and, and it was like we were having a really, really neat time, and the Holy Spirit just showed up in a powerful way. I mean, like, we're all just so aware that we're in the presence of God, and people are, you know, like, it's not that it's about how you feel, but sometimes you just feel it, you know what I'm saying? Um, and and uh, like, like, people, like, tears streaming their faces, like, people are lifting their hands. I mean, we're, we're just so aware that the Lord is there, and some folks are, um, are, are speaking in tongues over on the side, and, and, and what our practices on that, what we do and don't do with that is next week, so don't be like, what's he saying with that? Nothing today, um, okay? But, like, I mean, like, you're, you're so aware that you're in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and there was this one kid, Who's, who's, who's like near us uh, for prayer, and he's just going like, like this, right? And he was speaking tongues, but there was just something about, like the way that he did it was like, hmm. And so I went to my friend who, who, who was ministering with me. I was like, that's not from God. And he was like, yeah, no, it's not. And we don't know, like, I didn't know why we, I mean, like he, he didn't look that different from everybody else, but it's just, ugh. okay. So went over to him, all right, and he still did it like this. And I just put my hands on him and, and so did my friends. In the name of Jesus Christ, come out of him. Kid drops to the floor. Demon comes out of him, right there. Um, now that's not every Sunday here at Solid Ground, but um, what, like, okay, like what happened? Well, the Holy Spirit just kind of illuminated. There was something more going on there. Um, and I would say it's a distinguishing of spirits. Like, okay, it looked like a spiritual practice, except it wasn't. Now, let me just again clarify. The distinguishing of spirits or discerning of spirits is not all bad. So like, if you're one of those people who kind of uh, gets hyper-obsessed about demons, let me just remind you that the focus of your life is Jesus, not Satan. Okay? Um, and I would also say this, like, don't go looking for fights. All right, sometimes, like, 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 we get excited about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And again, um, don't treat it with this thing, okay, I'm going to like root out and find the enemy every place I possibly can. Like the, the witness of the Gospels and Acts is they just kind of deal with it when it comes up. They're not picking fights with Satan. They just like, they, they have authority over, but, but they're not going hyper-obsessed with that because Christ is our focus. And again, discerning doesn't mean all bad. So for instance, here's the story of Jesus. I would say discerning uh, uh, a person's good heart. So in John uh, chapter one, there's a part where there's this guy named Nathaniel who uh, his friend tells him, you need to check out this guy, Jesus. And Nathaniel is just very, very skeptical. He's like, mm, I don't know about this. And here's what, what uh, Jesus says to Nathaniel the very first time he meets him in John 1, 47. He says, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. In other words, he sees Nathaniel and he just sees right to the core of him. Hey, there's nothing false about you. So, okay, like, why is it that Nathaniel was kind of like, can anything good come from Nazareth or whatever? Because he was a guy that doesn't put up with, with things that are fake. Like, there is no deceit about him. And Jesus saw it the moment that he saw him, or technically when he saw him sitting under a fig tree, which is a whole other thing there. But, but again, we would say that's a discernment of spirits. And, and this is how we see it play out within the body of Christ. So maybe for you, it's an extra measure of grace, right? So, you know, you got somebody who, they're a brand new Christian or, or uh, they're a loved, uh, you know, family member or what have you, right? Or, um, no, let's stick with, let's, let's say you don't know them, okay? So uh, you're, you're, with, you're with some friends, like, man, so-and-so is so rough around the edges, they're so this or so that, but you look at them and you just go, and you don't even know why you know, you're just like, yeah, but the reason that they're like that is, let's say, are they're compensating for a childhood where they were made to feel weak all the time, so they're trying to project a bravado that, so that everybody thinks that they're tougher than they actually are. And you don't know why you know that, you just do. Okay, so like, why do you see the, like, to the heart of them, why do you see to the quick? Because it's a discerning of, Spirits. Well, how does that work with prophecy? Like, is that prophecy? There's a lot of overlap between the two. 
It's why, like, and that's also why I think it's paired with prophecy right there in the gift list. Like, you'll notice in 1 Corinthians 12, like, as we've been going through it, like, you've got healing and miracles. Well, where, do you, where does healing stop and miracles beginning? Yes. Okay, and then why? Like, so then you'd have, like, word of knowledge and word of wisdom together. You'd have uh, tongues and interpretation. Like, these two things are together. They kind of interact with the two. And here I would say prophecy and discerning or distinguishing between spirits. There's just, there is some overlap there. Now, let me add one thing, okay? Let me add one thing as we're talking about this gift. Uh, when we get like, like hyper-spiritualized and kind of like, uh, you know, excited about, oh, man, maybe I see through a thing or maybe I see to a thing or what have you. Let me just give just a good word of pastoral uh, advice. And, and if you're taking notes, write this down. Um, being inherently distrustful or suspicious of people is not the same thing as discerning of spirits. Okay, like, can I, can I say that? Like, being, like, like, like you meet people, like, oh, we'll see what this guy's about. All the time, right? Or it's kind of like, I, I, bet, I bet you they're up to something. Well, you know, I don't know, but I just bet you they That's not the same thing as the grace and measure of the Holy Spirit protecting the church or uh, ministering for how to best serve that person. And we would do well to recognize this. Sometimes folks who mean well mask maybe a wounded heart or their own hostility as the voice of the Lord. Like years ago, um, when I was working at the movie theater, yeah, I worked at the movie theater for like 10 years, I think it was, and uh, I, had, I had two uh, co-workers, um, and one of them, uh, a lady, was uh, professing Christian, and, and she was so excited about Jesus, da, da, da. and there's another uh, person who was a friend of mine who was also a Christian, and we'll call him Bob. That wasn't his real name, but we're going to call him Bob, because it's a good name, so you'll never guess what his real name was. So, um, and Bob was like, like, he was one of the guys that like really, really energetic, like just boisterously excited about life and God. And uh, I'll never forget one time I was talking with uh, the, the lady who was working in concession stand at the time. Uh, and she was like, listen, you need to stay away from Bob. And I was like, why? She's like, I don't know. I just, I think like, he, there's just something not right. Like his heart isn't right. Like I, he's dangerous. And I'm like, well, no, I don't think that's true. Like, I mean, like I've known him for years. Like, no. And she's like, and she goes, She's like, no, there's something off there. And I'm like, well, no, actually, he's a Christian. And he's really excited about Jesus. And she just goes, yeah, but even Satan can masquerade as an angel of light. Like just, and she had a, a tendency to gossip about folks and stuff like that. Um, and what was she doing? Was anything that she was saying accurate? No. She was masking her own dislike of him as a person as hearing from God. And sometimes people do this. You know, and, and I would just tell you that here's, how, here's a way that you can know that's not from the Lord. If you're just kind of distrustful, no, no, like the Lord's telling you that the person is bad. Yeah, do you have that experience a lot? Um, here's how you can know that maybe you're actually projecting your own wounds and wounded heart into what God is saying. Um, because it's not in keeping with the character and will of the Holy Spirit as described in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, the passage on love, right? Which is the thing we're supposed to, we're commanded to like strive after above all else. You remember the way the love is described? Love is described as trusting hoping, persevering, like not giving up on someone. It, uh, it, it, like your translation might say believes all things, meaning believes the best about someone. Like that's how the love of the Holy Spirit is described. Okay. Um, and so like one of the things that love does from the Lord is it invites unity and it looks for an occasion to embrace, not push away or guard itself against. That's a wounded spirit. Like that's, that's somebody that, that's just like, maybe your heart's been broken. And so you just, so that you don't have to like ever have your feelings hurt again. You just kind of put up these walls, but you say, no, it's got, no, it's not. And I would just encourage you to submit that to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want to live this way. Like, Lord, I, you know, I, I get guarded with people very quickly. And I thought I was being spiritual, but perhaps I'm just angry. 
Perhaps there's some forgiveness and some healing that needs to take place. Would you, would you heal my heart? Would you, would you help me? And watch what he does. That's what he does. Okay, so all that stuff said, um, the question might become, okay, well, so then why is this gift needed? Like, what does it do for the body of Christ? Like, well, why should there be discernment? And I think there, off the top of my head, there are two reasons that I could give, like, why I, I believe um, the Holy Spirit has made provision for his church by manifesting this gift. Here's the first one. Um, because it helps us know what we're dealing with and how to best minister. Helps us know what we're dealing with and how to best minister. Like, think of it this way. Um, imagine you were, imagine you were uh, a therapist, right? Or a counselor, okay? And you're sitting with somebody and they're talking about how they've got these like crazy like uh, mood swings. Maybe they're bipolar, maybe not, but just like they're, they're fine one moment and they just pivot really hard to a place of like just despair and anger and sadness. Just bump, bump, right? Okay. Well, how do you know what's behind that? I mean, like, because biblically speaking, could it be a situation? I mean, could it be a thing with Saul, like Saul, where Saul's tormented by an evil spirit and it brings him to a place of anger like that? Or is it a chemical imbalance? I mean, and, and the Bible doesn't say that it's like every single thing that we encounter or ailment that we have is purely spiritual, purely not. So how would you know like which way do it, like it goes? Well, a discernment of spirits could play in that because you go, all right, listen, actually what's behind this uh, is something bigger or maybe not. So let's get some medication. Or, I mean, you find this across the board. Like you think about like uh, Jesus, uh, there are times where Jesus addresses and heals physical ailments that are demonic in origin that we would say, no, the Bible doesn't teach that they're always demonic in origin. So for instance, in Luke 13, you got a story where there's a woman who's hunched over, okay? Like somebody that's hunched over, it's arthritis or bad back. Well, I don't know, but it says that a spirit made her that way. Now, does the Bible say that every time somebody's hunched over, it's a spirit? No. So how would you know what you're dealing with? Well, discerning of spirits could play into that because you would know exactly what to pray for. You would know what to rebuke or address. Again, um, there's a story in Luke 9 where Jesus uh, casts a demon out of a boy who has epilepsy. Okay, is epilepsy always demonic? No. But in that instance, yes, it was. Okay, so how would you, well, if, if the Holy Spirit is giving this gift of discernment, you would see what is behind it. And so one of the things that, that discerning of spirits can do or distinguishing between spirits is it can, like, it can give us better understanding about how to serve and minister to others. Because remember again, back in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, right? What's the purpose of the gifts? They're given for the common good, right? So that's a way that can happen, okay? Another, uh, another reason that gift may be is simply this, um, because there are other spirits who are opposed to what God is doing in and through us. And that's the reality. And I'm not talking about people with whom we disagree with on minor points of doctrine. Like, can I just say that in this age where everybody's like, we disagree about this small thing. Oh, you're a false teacher. You're a heretic. or whatever. I'm not even sure you're a Christian. Like, bro, I, I just said that, that I think baptism should be. <laughs> anyway, so, all right. Um, no, but, but there are actual, like, good thing to remember, there are actual opponents of Christianity. Like, you know that, right? Well, here's how the New Testament talks about it. There's some examples of this. Uh, 1 John 4.1, here's what John encourages people. He says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Yeah, false prophets are a thing. And fun fact for you, by the way, Whenever the New Testament uses the phrase false prophet across the board, it is talking about people who have either embraced immorality or who have rejected essential Christian doctrine. 
A false prophet is not someone who believes that God has spoken and gets it wrong. Not inherently, no. A false prophet is someone who leads someone else away from God. Now, this is important because what John says is, listen, they're out there in the world constantly. And the other thing to know is this. Um, we have this misunderstanding where what we believe is um, if God's not behind it, it's going to be fake and nothing will happen. So think about how we deal with like, like our, our framework, right? You ever, you ever know somebody who isn't a Christian? And they talk about, like, you know, I, I prayed to, I don't know, Allah, or I prayed to, to, to Buddha, and I, and I saw a result happen. How many of us in, in our gut, our reaction is just to be like, no, you didn't, that's fake, you're, you're, you're making it up. Because we have a hard time with a, a worldview of understanding that there are other spirits out there that can move in power. Right, so for instance, like, you have a friend who's like, you know, I'm, I'm into Reiki, I'm into crystal healing, and, and I'm seeing an improvement. Like, and you're like, I don't think that you are. Well, they might actually be, because demons are real. And there are times where they actually empower people to do supernatural things, which is why we would need the Holy Spirit to give us a sermon because they might show up, they might try to prophesy and say something that a human being couldn't know. And the only way that you'll know, that, okay, that's not from God is either by the content of what they said or by distinguishing between spirits. Again, this is like Jesus says this so plainly that, that, that demons can do this through people. I'll give you an example. Matthew 24, 24. Here's what he says. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Meaning they'll be so supernaturally, they might even sway Christians. And by the way, how many of us within charismatic circles, unfortunately, the, the, the qualifier that we get for whether or not something is true is, was somebody healed? Like, can we own that? Not, not, okay, how did it line up with scripture? Not, what does it say within traditional Christian orthodoxy? It was, did I see God do something or what I thought was God? And if I did, therefore, it must be true. And I told you way back in chapter one in 1 Corinthians, I'm gonna say again today, gifts do not validate doctrines. That's not what they do. The only doctrine that a spiritual gift can validate is that Jesus is the Messiah. That's it. Again, Jesus, like, like we, we could look at uh, the story of the false prophet in, in Revelation 13, where it says this, like talk, and the, it is the false prophet. It says, it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of the people, which is what, it's harkening back to Elijah, right? And look at this, verse 14. Because of the signs, it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, which is the Antichrist, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. Okay? Um, we're going to continue. Uh, and we can, we can blank that up there, Greg. Um, here's the idea, okay? The idea is, like, we have this belief that, okay, like, if God's not behind it, nothing will happen. And what I'm telling you is that's not what the New Testament teaches, which is why we need a distinguishing of spheres. Because there are, there are actually people, like, right now, not your brothers and sisters in Christ, not somebody that you disagree minorly with, but there are actually people who deny that Jesus is the Messiah in their hearts. And they make it a mission to go into churches to deceive people, to wreck the church or destroy it. And they're guided by, they don't, they don't always know why they're doing it. They're doing it because you and I have a spiritual enemy who's behind them. We have actual opponents who are sometimes able to do stuff. And this is why we need this gift. Because the Lord speaks to protect and guard his people. Listen, as we continue to grow in the prophetic, and we are, we are. At some point, there's going to be somebody who comes in whose heart is not given to Jesus, 
who claims to be hearing from God. And we will test what they say based on Scripture, as we we would do every word. But the second thing is this. Sometimes the words are so insidious, you wouldn't even know that it's wrong. I mean, just so, like, low. I'll give you an example, okay? Give you an example. How many, like, you you don't believe that, like, okay, well, no, I'm, I'm walking with Jesus. Nothing could ever deceive me. Oh, yeah? Okay, how about this? How many of you have ever felt like, um, no matter, like, like you, you believe that Jesus has died for your sin, rose from the dead, and yet you've got to do better. And if you don't do better, God is mad at you. Now, is there a belief that's more contrary to the gospel? Because isn't the gospel that Jesus has died for your sin and mine? He's risen from the dead to give us a relationship with God that we have not earned and could never earn. In fact, that Jesus has taken away all of our sin, past, present, and future, right? And yet, and I'll bring it further. How many of you guys, you're, you're, just, you're nagged by guilt? Even like, even when you agree with God about your sin, you know, like you, okay, like, you know, I, I did this. Oh gosh, God, I can't believe that I did that. And you go to him, Lord, I'm so sorry. And yet the guilt doesn't go away. It just keeps going. Like, listen, the Holy Spirit's already forgiven you. It's gone in his eyes. But there's that nagging. What is that? That's demonic or your flesh. It is not the spirit of Christ. And look how insidious it was. You never stopped believing the Bible. You never stopped believing that the Lord loves you. And yet you questioned it, didn't you? And I'm telling you, there are people who will give a voice to that. Yes, we need to distinguish or discern between spirits. And this is another way that the Holy Spirit empowers his church. And he does. He does. And all this, again, let me just... Let me just remind you, the purpose of this is not Satan avoidance. We deal with it as we have to, as it comes up. But you should know this. You need to know this. Let me just say it like this, okay? Because what I I don't want anybody to do today is leave and be like, like, let me lift up this rock, there's a demon under that. Uh, You know, like, you know, um, the eagles lost. Was that Satan? Like, just, all right. Sorry. Um, look, you know, let, me, let me just, let's reorient our hearts towards Christ here. Sometimes it gets exciting, man. Like when, when you're in the, the spiritual battle and God's using you, you be like, man, look at what God, yeah, praise God. The battle ain't the point. Like there's a story in, in Luke 10 where Jesus sends out 70 followers into town. They go announce that the kingdom is here. And the story, and they come back and they're like, Lord. You won't believe what happened. Even demons submit to us in your name. Like we went into the town and there were demons that were crying out in people and like they had to stop because we told them the name of Jesus. And you heard what Jesus said to them? Luke 10, 19. He said, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome how much? All the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. That's why we don't live in fear of Satan. Like in this age where like, you know, there are all these exorcism movies out where Satan tries to amp up his power, make Christians afraid. Let me just remind you that Jesus is giving you all authority over him. Great. But here's the point of all of it. Verse 20. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In other words, hey, the point of my life ain't battling Satan. It's knowing Jesus. And sometimes those two overlap, and knowing Jesus means I have to do battle. Okay, 
I mean, I get to know God. And so do you, like, have you thought about the privilege of that? Like, God, the God who made everything wants you to know him. Like, the God who made, and, and like, who has been forever and will always be, like, who sees everything that there is to see wants you and wants to speak to you, wants to forgive you, wants to do life with you, wants to build you up and minister to you. Like, the privilege of that. And we can have it. And so today, listen, as we're wrapping up, I want to give you the opportunity. If you would say today that you don't know Jesus, but you'd like to begin that relationship with him, that's what it's all about. And you can. And it's not by, okay, I'm going to just straighten up and fly right. Good luck. No, it's by trusting him to forgive you and save you. Simple as that. Turn from your sin, turn to him. I'm not going to live for me. I want him. Okay. If you would like to like, hand your life over to Christ, it's as simple as asking. I would love to give you the opportunity to ask. So let's just, maybe you don't even have the words, you can just pray with me. And here's what we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Lord, I believe that you sent Jesus to save me. I believe he died on the cross for my sin to take it away and rose from the dead to give me new life with you. So Lord, I'm handing my life over to you. Please fill me with your spirit. Show me how to follow you. Let me do life with you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Bless you guys. That's all I got. See you next week, okay?